Welcome to the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast brought to you by Worship Catalyst. We are here to help leaders learn how to do more with less. For more information or engage with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together. All right, welcome to the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast. I am super excited about this conversation today because it's going to be one with uh, my very good, most awesome friend, Ben Barfield, and we got a lot to talk about today about co-pastoring and leading in teams and things like that. But before we do, let's take a look at our uh, Bible uh, worship scripture for the week, and that comes out of Psalm 95, verse 6 today. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. I'm going to read that again. It's super short. Psalm 95, 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. I love the simple verse. It says so much. But it's a call from the psalmist, and it doesn't, Psalm 95 doesn't say who the psalmist is, but Hebrew uh, gives this psalm to David. Uh, these verses here, it says, um, before these verses, like in verses 1 through 5, it's talking about some of the powerful attributes of God. He's creator, he's powerful, he's this huge God, you know, it's way bigger than us. And so then the psalmist says in verse six, then kneel down, bow down. And this happens over and over and over again in scripture. You see bowing and kneeling and get on your face and prostrate and not prostate, prostrate. Which prostrate. I yeah. love it when people <laughs> say that wrong. It's so funny. But prostrate, uh, prostrate before God and uh, you know, think about kingdoms and kings. It just puts into my mind all of these people bowing down before their supreme leader, whoever that might be. Now, of course, their kings are saying, you must bow down, but God is, is not. He is just saying, bow down before me. The psalmist is like saying, is not required of you, but I recommend highly that you bow down before the Lord, your maker. And I was thinking about this in, 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 in terms of what that means. What does it mean to get on your face, to get on your knees before someone? And I think it means surrender. It's, it's yielded. It's saying, I'm below you. You're above me. I'm not trying to fight back. I'm not trying to be bigger than you. I'm not trying to change you. I'm just yielding myself to you. That's the posture of being on your knees or on your face before someone or before, before God. And in sports, I was thinking about this, like you never surrender on your feet. In boxing, wrestling, uh, uh, Ben, you and I were just talking about a minute ago, like when a guy returns a kickoff or a punt, he doesn't, uh, he kneels in the end zone, yeah. right? He doesn't like stand up and bow up and say, I surrender to you. He gets on his knees. Yeah. It's the posture. It's like standing is a power position, but kneeling and laying down is a surrendered position. And I think this is a posture that we've lost in church these days. Like we stand up to sing songs. I think in our private time with God, a lot of times we are are seated, which is really not a worship posture in the Bible necessarily at all, but it's a teaching position. But we don't, in church very often, at least not the churches that I'm in very much, don't practice kneeling or practice laying down before God. And I think this is something where a lot of churches, I know, a, I, think, I think it was the church my dad might have gone to when he was young, is they, they actually had kneeling benches. And I know most Catholic churches, they have kneeling benches. And I think they get that right. I'm not talking about a religious thing, like, you know, a ritualistic thing. I'm just talking about saying, God, you're above me, I'm below you. That's the way it is. So just a challenge today from this scripture, Psalm 95, 6 is, Next time you have a personal time of worship, just try to get on your knees, kneel, or lay down on your face before God instead of being seated or instead of standing and just worship God and and by being on your knees, say to him, you are bigger than me. I am below you. I'm surrendered. I'm yielded. And I know that the internal posture of our hearts is more important than our external posture, 
But at the same time, I think our external postures are very important. And so, anyway, there you go. That's out of Psalm chapter 95, verse 6 today. Hope you uh, got something out of that. So, all right, here we go. Man, talking to Ben Barfield. What's up, Ben Barfield? Hey, man. How you doing, Austin? Hey, I'm excited to be here with you. I have the perfect face for a podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm you not going to disagree. So you know, like, I'm not going to disagree. You know, <laughs> that's great. I'm sitting here looking at you, so I, I, I know exactly what you mean. So, um, wh- what Ben and I want to talk about today is we want to talk about um, co-pastoring, something we've been doing for 13 years together. But before that, Ben, just let us know who you are, what you do, you know, family, whatever. Yeah, my name's Ben Barfield. Um, I have a wife named Jill, three kids. They're all they're all grown kids, and I even have a little grandson now. Who my oldest son has um, a wife and they have a little one-year-old boy and so it's kind of cool to be in that stage of life and get to hang out with your grandson. I'm a church planter. I've been, like you said, I've been planting churches with you for the last, what, 14, 13, 14 years? 13 years. You've yeah. been at it a little longer than yeah. me, but yeah. But we've been, we've been doing it together for the last several years. I, I work for the North American Mission Board yeah. as an assessment guy, and um, so that's that's kind of who I am. Yeah, Ben, is uh, he assesses new churches, and he leads teams of people all over the country to assess planters to see if they're um, ready, prepared. Yeah. I almost said, like, to see if they're good enough, yeah. but... Really, none of us are good enough yeah. to plant a church, but... Maybe for online podcasts, but, you know, not for planting a church necessarily. <laughs> That's right, yeah. exactly. So um, here's what I want to do is, like, just a little bit of background. So, uh, man, 13 years ago in May 2007, Ben and I sat down in his living room. We had not started Worship Catalyst yet, but we were praying about doing that. Yep. And, uh, man, just Cammie and I sat down there with you and Jill, and we started talking about, because we needed a place for credibility's sake to have a local church, and we needed to be in a church plant, and we needed to be, have a place where we could like develop people and send right. them out. Yep. And um, a, and we wanted to not be like just, we didn't we didn't want to be those people that aren't tied down to a local church, so we needed a place. And so, man, I just like remember it so clearly that in that conversation, I said we needed a place to serve, and you said, well, you're not going to be like on staff with me in terms of being a music director or something, you're going to be a co-pastor with me, a co-pastor. Right. And I was like blown away because it's like you, we had talked on the phone before then, maybe yeah. three or four times, yeah. and we had, I think, seen each other the night before for the first right, time. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you did this really dumb thing of inviting yeah. a guy you didn't know into being a co-pastor with you. So it was pretty awesome. So Love at first sight. Uh, maybe that was it. <laughs> maybe that was it. And so... I want to talk a little bit more about that conversation and how that led to the next 13 years, 13 plus years yeah. of our lives. But before that, let's just talk in general about co-pastoring. How common is it that you've seen single people, like a man and his wife and his family, start a church versus co-pastor? Well, it's obviously definitely way more common that that we kind of have a solo planter and his wife, his family, and that's just way more common. We, we're starting to see some teams, you know, we're starting to see teams, you know, where like a, a group of people move to an area and they start start a church together. But it's still few and far between where people actually co-pastor, where they're equal, co-equal in pastoring a church. I think a lot of times when you talk about co-pastoring, like a lot of the questions I've got when I say I'm a co-pastor, a lot of people say, <laughs> they say the question. Who's in charge? Who's in Like, <laughs> I, I know you say it's co-pastoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, really, exactly. the buck stops somewhere. Where does it stop? Yeah. What do you, how do we answer that? How would you well, answer Well, when it? we answer it, what we say is um, nobody's in charge. We, we are equal. We are co-equal. And that always brings up a bunch of other questions following that. Well, how does that work, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Well, so, so let's talk about it. Let's just dive right into that. Um, how does that work? Like, so if we disagree... What happens? 
if we disagree, we we passionately debate, we talk things out, we we try to hit every angle, we we talk and we talk and we talk. We often bring our wives in to talk through it. We don't just you know talk in a vacuum. We we really talk through something, and then we make a decision. And until we both agree. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to both agree. And often that's the way it works because I think our brains work a lot the same. And sometimes it takes a while to get to that exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah. Or sometimes one of us is way more passionate about a decision than the other. And we just naturally then submit to the other person. Like if you're more passionate about something, there have been several times where I've just said, you know what? Let's, you're more passionate about this. Let's do it your way. Yeah. And you've done the same to me many, many times. Yeah, for sure. So, but it's never, it's never once been, well, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. 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 Darn it. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, we didn't bleep anything out there, by the way. No. Yeah, ben just stopped. We just thought it and smiled. <laughs> so let's talk about some advantages because, you know, this is a rare situation where two people can come together and actually be co-leaders. Right. But we've seen it work in amazing ways. Yes. So let's talk about in, the, in our situation, but also in other guys that have come in like that, What's the benefit? What are some advantages? Well, one thing is, is you know, you have twice the the amount of brain power, but that it doesn't just work like one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals five, yeah, or ten. You know, it's it's like multiples. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the, when there's two brains thinking or four brains with our wives, it's it's really far beyond that. I think also um, there's a loneliness issue that we don't have. You know, yeah. we we moved to Las Vegas years ago together, and mm-hmm. while while it was difficult and stressful to move from one city to another, we were never alone. Yeah, you know, we actually had someone else to go through the struggles with, and so that was kind of cool. So those are two things. Yeah, I think too. Sometimes uh, I don't know. A lot of times on Mondays you kind of want to quit. Yeah, you know, but having somebody there in the trenches with you. Yeah, you have somebody to kind of like just, I don't know, like our old friend used to say, get dirty. Yeah, get dirty, <laughs> get dirty, and also um, accountability there too. Yeah, sure. You know, like I know that if I if I start not pulling my weight, you're going to call me on it, and it's vice versa. Yeah. You know, so that's that's a big deal. That yeah. is true. Yeah. So why do you think it is that most most pastors that want to start a church or pastor a church, you know, like this isn't just a church starting thing. Why do you think most pastors? would push back against that idea of co-pastoring? Well, I think simply one of the reasons is because they just don't understand it. They don't know it. They don't know that that's a possibility. It, I think in our culture, it's always been there is one pastor, the guy who leads a church. There may be a board or there may be some elders or deacons or whatever, but there's the guy. Yeah. And um, so I think that's part of it. I think it, I also think that um, sometimes... Um, Pastors are A personalities, type A personalities, you know, big personalities, and it's hard for them to um, share or, you know, um, be humble enough to, to um, let someone else make decisions with them. You know, that's, that's a hard thing. Yeah, it is a hard thing. So um, we've seen a few guys who are co-pastors or at least close to that. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe the rank is a little bit different, but they're like partners. Right. And we've seen way more single random guys right, out there right. plant churches. Which one has been more successful? Well, I mean, almost every one that we see that there's multiple guys, co-guys or, or co-sharing leadership together, almost every single one of those um, lasts and, and, and holds for the test of time. But the, it's a not quite like that. It's a lot lower ratio of, of um, 
longevity with the single guys, with the, the guys that are doing it out there, Lone Rangers. So let's talk about those Lone Rangers for a minute. I know that we talked about the advantages of the co-leader, but let's just get into the heart and the mind of that solo parachute guy. Right. What is the disadvantage of doing it that way? What are some of the disadvantages? Well, uh, like we said, they're alone. Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't have a, a network. They might have a network around them, but they don't have somebody sharing day-to-day life with them. Right. Um, their wives are lonely oftentimes, you know? Um, they they don't have anybody to bounce crazy ideas off of. Like you sometimes, it's always you, have crazy, <laughs> crazy ideas. And you have me to bounce them off. And That's I, right. And I, and I, I apply the realism, you know? <laughs> so that kind of thing, you know? It's actually the other way around, guys, just so you know. I think if I were to boil it all down for me, just in the way that I've experienced the co-leadership, I mean, I'm, I would never pastor a church by myself. I would never do it by myself, and here's why, I think. I think like all these things that we talked about is I think that the idea that I can wake up in the morning and know that I'm not by myself hmm. and that I don't even bear the whole weight of this because like pastoring so I have had every job in a church before right but when I became a lead pastor of a church all of the insecurities in me came out right that I had never experienced before because it's just a really insecure place to be a lead pastor in a church and that insecurity on your own right I can't That's even good. imagine what that would feel yeah. like but when I know the whole thing doesn't fall on me. It falls on us. Right. Changes the way that I approach it. Along with that, man, we were talking about this earlier today. You know, your gifting is much different than my gifting, and mine's much different than yours. And so when we have all of our giftings together, yeah. man, um, you talk about a much more well-rounded leader between the two of us than just one of us, you know? So what are some tough parts? So we're painting a beautiful picture yes, here. Yes, obviously. It's- ours is... <laughs> It's just the, the way to do things. <laughs> so what makes it hard? Like, what are some of the things that are difficult about co-pastoring? Before and after pictures. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's another story for another day. Okay. I think I have to tell that story. Yeah, you do. Okay. So everybody's <laughs> like, what in the world are you talking about? So anyway, we were doing a series of two-minute two minute talks on Facebook. We had rounded up this big, huge crowd, and we we're doing two-minute videos about some aspect of the Bible right. to people. It's not funny. And it was either Ben doing one or me doing one, and we finally decided to do one together, and we're sitting side by side, and so the thumbnail picture that showed up on Facebook was a picture of Ben and me next to each other. Well, Ben is a little bit bigger than I am. What do you mean by that? And so it, the sh- Facebook shut down our entire website, <laughs> our entire Facebook page, because they said that we were putting up uh, diet ads for when we had a before and after picture. That's not even funny, man. <laughs> not even funny. I think it was the other thing. I think they were like the old bazooka things where they, uh, comment strips where they had the guy that was getting his um, dirt kicked in his face, right. the little wimp- wimpy guy, right. <laughs> and then the big muscular guy, he turns into big... That's the before and after they were talking about. Okay. You're the wimpy guy, I'm the so strong guy. So it was the guy. muscle weight. Yeah. It was the there muscle There you go. Thing. That's what it was uh, all the time. Yeah. I totally like read that wrong. Yeah, I think you did. All right, toughest part of co-pastoring. What are some things that I like? I know we make this sound perfect, yeah. but what makes it hard? Well, when we disagree. Yeah. It, I mean, when anybody disagrees, it's, that's a hard thing, you know, because you're going to have two alpha males in a room and you are going to disagree. And that's, yeah. that's difficult. It's difficult when, um, when, 
when you're like when you're like we were talking about before when you when you want to make a decision you want to move quickly sometimes you can't move quickly because yeah. you got to take time to um, make a decision together that's a couple things you know? yeah I think another one is uh, sometimes people think from the crowd think yeah. the other person's that's in right. charge yeah we and we found this out um, the the person who does a majority of the speaking yeah oftentimes the crowd the people in the crowd the church will often think of that person as the lead just because they do a majority of the communicating. And so when we found that out, we, we tried to, to make a change with that. You know, So that's that's one example. Yeah, when we were co-pastoring in Arizona, everybody assumed you were the lead pastor because you probably spoke 75, 80% of the right. time. Moved to Las Vegas, we went hardcore 50-50 right. for a long time. Uh, and I think that actually worked. Yeah, I did too. I think it put into the DNA of the church that we were co-leaders. Yeah. Uh, along with just telling everybody. And then we were able later on to switch because of our gifting, because we had already laid that foundation, we were able to switch then to where I I would speak a little bit more often and you would would lead the worship, but it wasn't, it didn't change the way people thought of us. Right, exactly. So uh, let's kind of start to, I want to get into our covenants here uh, just really quickly, but before we do, what are the, I think another hard thing at co-pastoring is that your character issues have to be pretty dealt with, right? Yeah. And so what are some of the character issues that have to go along with co-pastoring? Humility, man. Yeah. I mean, um, th- honestly, one of the, the, the serious character issues that most, that a lot of pastors, let's say it that way, a lot of pastors can have is a pride issue. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you're co-leading, there has to be humility. Mm-hmm. And you have, it has to be unity. Without unity in a church, um, especially the leaders being unified, you know, you've been in churches like that where that's not been the case. Right. I've been in churches like that where that's not the case. Right. It's it makes the church almost worthless. And so you need unity. You need to be humble. What do you got? What do you think? You think anything else? Um, yeah. Well, I think that there's that decision to trust. Yeah. yeah. And I know a lot of times, a lot of times, like especially in the church planting world, and this, but this happens everywhere. You sometimes you've experienced a lack of trust. Right. And so it's just really difficult. Uh, that's true, man. You know, I, if you say something. That you can say something to me that I would always give you the benefit of the doubt on. If someone else said it to me, I might not trust it. Yeah, you know, and vice versa. I think that kind of thing. That's good. Yeah, I do too. And I think the last thing about that that I've thought about is just we. You have, you have to be friends. Yeah, not just like forced friends, but you really have to be buddies. You don't necessarily need that when they're staff members. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just get along. But if you are co-leading, co-sharing that leadership, you have to be friends, and your families need to like each other. Yeah, not just. The two guys, if you will, but the whole families like need to like each other yeah. and like to spend time together. Yeah, like, so. hey, we're gonna go and celebrate birthdays together, exactly. and and just go out to dinner and everything, and then you'll yep. come over and stuff like that for sure. All right, good. Uh, that's cool. So let's talk about this last thing, and then we'll be done. And but this is probably the most important thing that Ben and I ever talk about. Yep. So uh, that first time we ever met together in your living room, you and I both had come out of just some some times in ministry that we'd both experienced individually where there wasn't a lot of trust right and, and sometimes even even some toxicity in the relationships of staff and people backstabbing <laughs> and stuff like that and so we come into this living room our two families and you say let's be co-pastors and I said I would love that but we have to live a certain way. Right. And so we established two covenants on that day, and then we added a third one later. So why don't you just walk us through what those are? Yeah, I'll say this. I was blown away when you said that, and then we talked about those two covenants, and thinking about that that first day, and even thinking about it now, these are not rocket science. No. And you guys are going to hear these, and you're going to go, uh, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, man, I'm telling you, if you live like this, 
It'll change the way you lead if you if you if you live like this in um, covenant. The first the first one is simple. The first one is whenever um, I hear or um, anybody I'm talking to anybody and they start to say anything negative about you or or, or something that's not not kind, I stop them. So I won't. I will not even hear anyone speak ill of you. So I've got your back. Yeah, all I the got time. your back all the time. You know, 100 yeah. of the time. And um, I can't remember in 13 years, man, where um, someone's begun to to tell me something about you where I haven't stopped it or or and I know you haven't done it. You know. And so if somebody, it's to this point. If somebody was to come to me and say, Austin said this about you, I would look at them and say, You are lying. Yeah. Because I know you wouldn't do that. Right. This is a covenant we've made together, and we've lived by it for 13 years. The second one um, is kind of th- these are progressive, by the way. I think. The second one is this: that um, if there's ever anything weird or um, strange between us, awkward between us, we deal with it immediately. Yeah. Um, one of the things you often talk about, I love how you say this, you, you talk about you hold up a glass and you look through the glass and you say, I see you clearly, but what happens if you, if you, if you take something, sm- something small and you put like a little piece of paper in the glass and it's not a big deal, you can still see, see clearly, but what happens when you start to load those papers, load those papers, pretty soon you can't even see the person clearly. I've been in churches like that before yeah. where I've had a relationship with someone where just little thing after little thing after little thing. Um, and I begin to not see that person clearly. And so we just empty that out all the time. We, if there's anything strange or weird, we deal with it immediately. Um, we've done that. We, we used to have two services. You say something or I say something in the first service. In the middle of the, the, the between the services, we'll deal with it right then. Yeah. Because we can't let it build up. Now, a lot of times those things are, um, a lot of times those things are, you know, what you said to someone else wasn't right. accurate or... I get this vibe from what you're doing, right. or, uh, or um, man, you said or did something that really offended me, right. or I mean, it could be really personal like that. Um, it could also be just a ministry thing. Like one time I went to Ben and said, I got a number two covenant and said, uh, it was just in a season of life where Ben had his mind in other places. Right. And I said, hey man, I don't think you're giving your whole heart to this, you know? Yep. So it could be anything from personal... And what did I say when you said that? You said, you're right. Because when when we, in this covenant, one of the things that we also covenant with this is that if, if you bring something up, I have to hear it. Mm-hmm. I have to take it and I receive it. And that's I mean? not the time to defend it. That's not the time to defend it. And so so I say you're right. And, I, and you were right, by the way. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, so I've got your back. Uh, if anything weird gets between us, we'll bring it up immediately. Empty right. that glass every day if necessary. Right. And and for some people, you maybe you maybe have been working with somebody for a really long time, and we've uh, consulted with some leaders right. who have just got a full glass towards right. each other. They just got so much stuff, and we've said to them, you know what? You might need to go away for a couple of days and spend and two days emptying the glass. And that could be nasty and ugly and messy, Hurt. but it's got to happen, man. Got to happen. Got to happen. Or you else can't go on. Yep. Third covenant we added later. What Third covenant, and this was this is the one I think that's kind of magic is because but it has to the other two have to ha- be in place first. The third one is this is that we we will passionately debate a, a decision, but in the end when the decision has been made we will own it as if it was our own. Let yes. me give you an example of this. Um, there was a time in a few years, several years back now, where we were deciding to go from one service to two services, and we had this covenant between us and a few other people, and we, and we, and we gathered together, and we talked through it, and Austin and I talked about, this is what we should do, this is what we should do, this is what we should do, and one of the men said to, the, said to all of us, he, he held his end up of the covenant, he passionately debated, he said, you know what? 
this is not a good idea. We're going to have two two separate churches. We're going to um we're going to lose momentum and we're going to shrink. Whatever. Whatever the three things were. And and we we said no, 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 and we talked about it and we fought about it and we argued about it and we passionately debated it. And at the end, we made a decision to go ahead and move towards these two services. Yeah. And a few weeks later, we were um, announcing it to the church, and I was standing back in the back and overheard this man that we were talking about talking to another guy. They didn't know I was there. And this this third guy comes up and he says, hey, man, what are you guys doing, man? Why would you do this? We're going to be two churches. We're going to... Um, we're going to lose momentum and we're going to shrink. I mean, basically went down the list of the same exact things. And I thought, uh-oh, what is he going to say? And the guy that we have to share the covenant with said, no, this is the best thing yes. that we've ever done. And he defended the decision as if it was his own. And that's what we're talking about. We, we own the decision. It's my decision, not just um, Austin. Like if we make a decision like this, it's not Austin's decision. It's my decision. Yes. So, yeah. Love that, man. That's so good. And I got to tell you, when it comes to co- we, how many hundreds of pastors and worship leaders and other staff members we've had this conversation We've with. talked about this hundreds and hundreds of times in all different kinds of places. Yes. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you have an interest, pa- pastors, lead pastors, if you're a lead pastor out there and you're listening to this, I want you to know it's better to bring people into your like personal relational circle, right. your covenant circle, and even your leadership circle than doing it on your own right. at whatever level you are right, right. now. Even if it's a non-paid person, that doesn't matter. Right. Uh, the second thing is, uh, if you're not that lead person, and you really want to have that kind of relationship or that kind of leadership in your church and and all, it's a good thing to have a conversation with your pastor about this right. and just say, "Man, I'd love to like listen to this podcast together." Right. And you guys just discuss at what level to what to what level can you take this? But here's what I'd say to every single every single person: you need to live in covenant with your staff like this. Right. You really do. Whether everybody else is or not, you need to. Yeah. Yeah. You live it out. Right. Always have your staff's back. Always bring up weird things. Right. L- you know, empty that jar all the time, even if it's painful. And take a risk. Right. And then uh, always debate. Don't ever sit on the sideline of a debate. By the way, if you don't do that, you're going to say it somewhere. Mm. If you have a disagreement and you disagree with the decision and you don't say in that meeting that passionately what's what you feel you're gonna say it to somebody yeah for sure you know what i mean so that's, that's good true. yeah all right that's awesome man uh that that may bring up more questions than answers for you guys today and uh, i tell you we're gonna have here in another two or three weeks we're gonna have a question and answer podcast where we just answer some of your questions and so if you'll email austin at worshipcatalyst.com austin at worshipcatalyst.com you got a question about this or anything else uh, we've already got quite a few questions we're going to be covering that day, but we'll add any other questions that you guys throw in there. So we'd love for you to do that. I hope that this podcast has been really helpful for you. Thank you, Ben, for being a part yep, of it. Thank you. And um, if if it has, hit that subscribe button and uh, listen to these every week. We're going to do the best we can to bring helpful, concise content to you uh, that can help you as a leader. And also always hoping that we are helping you do more with less. And the way that this conversation has helped you with that, I hope, is that shared leadership is not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals 10. So no matter what you do, lead in teams. Awesome. We love you guys. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next week.